Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Touched my heart. Now, keep this in mind. I was not a Christian. I'd never been in a church in my life. No one at my house ever spoke about Jesus. Now, we, my dad always said a prayer for dinner whenever we had dinner together, which was almost never. But I didn't know anything about God. One night in the movie, Samson and Delilah. It was a movie made in 1949, and it starred Victor Mature. And I know they made that name up, but he was tall, dark, and handsome. Had that curly hair, big old head full of hair. He was the leading man in, in Hollywood for years. Victor Mature. And the lady playing Delilah was Hedy Lamar. Now here's something you may not know about Hedy Lamar. Hedy Lamar was born in Germany. She came to America to be a movie star. And when World War II started, she thankfully was not in Germany, so she was here relatively safe. But Hedy Lamar was a genius, believe it or not. She, what's that you get when you invent, invent something and a patent? She owns several patents. This, this will shock you. Hedy Lamar owns several patents having to do with electronics. And her, I don't even know exactly what they were, but her inventions were used by America and our allies, and they helped win World War II. That, that's how smart she was. Not only smart, she was one of the most beautiful women anybody had ever seen. And she was a tremendous actress. Victor Mature. I was sure I was going to be Victor when I grew up. I'm still, work, I'm still working on it. <laughs> but I, I wrote down some stuff. I want to I share this with you because we're going to look at his life today, and I want you to know a little bit about him. Uh... Samson, a hero of Israel, known for his great physical strength as well as his moral weakness. The last of the judges or military leaders mentioned in the book of Judges, Samson led his country in this capacity for about 20 years. He was one of the last, he was the last judge of Israel. Samson lived in a dark period of Israelite history. After the generation of Joshua died out, the people of Israel fell into a lawless and faithless life. The author of the book of Judges summarized these things by declaring, There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. When you do that, you live in a society or a country or a state where everybody just does whatever they want to. What have you got? Absolute chaos and anarchy. Everybody just did whatever they wanted. And always remember this. Whenever you have two or more, you have a group. And when you have a group, they have to be, they have to be led. In the home, the leader is, your, is the husband. Now, I'm sorry, husbands, but sometimes you fall far short of the mark. And ladies, I'm not saying that so you can go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that to challenge you to pray for your husband if he falls short of the mark. Don't, don't criticize him and don't kill him off. Help him. Ladies, you have no, no idea whatsoever of how much power that you have. The standards of God's Word, His law, handed down by Moses was ignored. Samson was a product of that age, but his parents gave evidence of faith in the Lord. Have you ever noticed that in a period uh, in the Old or New Testament when the whole world seemed to be going to hell, God always raised up somebody, a family, Lot, for example, in his family. 
and Moses and, and on and on it goes. God kept the flame burning for his truth and himself. He kept it going in the lives of somebody. And, and, and like in the case of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, everybody is wiped out. But Lot and his family are saved. Noah and the ark. Everybody on the earth died but him and his family. God kept the flame going. Now, Samson, his, his mighty physical feats are well known. With his bare hands, for example, he killed a young lion that attacked him. He gathered 300 foxes and tied them together, then sent them through the grain fields with torches in their tails to destroy the crops of the Philistines. Philistines, age-old enemies of Israel. Imagine that. He gets these foxes, ties their tails together. The word used in the Old Testament is firebrand. He gets some kind of uh, uh, branches, weeds, ties them together uh, between those tails and sets them on fire, two, two foxes in each one, and they run. They're, they're panicked. They run through the fields. And the fields, are, they're about ready to, to be harvested, and, and so they're dry, and boom, all of the fields are burnt to a cinder. Why did he do those kinds of things? On one occasion, he broke the ropes with which his enemy had bound him. He killed a thousand Philistines, Philistine soldiers with the jawbone of a donkey. And by the way, there's a new movie coming out February the 12th on Samson. It's called Samson, and it'll be out February 12th. And I saw a trailer of it today, and it, it looks really good. I hope it is good. So he uh, broke the ropes. He killed a 1,000 Soldiers with the jawbone of a donkey. And finally, he carried away the massive gate of Gaza, a city of the Philistines, when they thought they had him trapped behind the city walls. These gates were massive, two or three feet thick, uh, high in height, maybe 12, 15 feet high. And there were two of them. He ripped them off the hinges and took them with him, showing them, you can't tie me up, you can't do anything to me. I'm stronger than you. Now, in spite of his great physical strength, Samson was a foolish man. He took vengeance on those who used devious means to discover the answer to one of his riddles. When deceived by his enemies, his only thought was for revenge. Keep that in your mind. As when his father-in-law gave away his wife to another man, he, not, he had... Not learn the word of the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Amen? When you go out seeking vengeance on somebody who's hurt you, you'll get in trouble. Samson's life was marred by his weakness for pagan women. Oh, how many people in the Old Testament do we know of who had that same weakness? You know, the, strength, the power of the flesh is mightier than you think. As soon as he became of age, he fell in love with one of the daughters of the Philistines. He insisted on marrying her in spite of his parents' objection. Uh, this was against God's law, which forbade intermarriage of the Israelites among the women of Canaan. On another occasion, he was almost captured by the Philistines while he was visiting a prostitute, a prostitute in the city of Gaza. Samson eventually became involved with a woman named Delilah from the valley of Sorek, whom proved to be his undoing. The Philistines bribed her to find out the key to his strength. She teased him until he finally revealed that the secret was his uncut hair. Samson was a Nazarite. Nazarites in that day and age were not like any other believers. They, they had, they were, from the time they were born, their parents gave them to God. And it was their duty to follow God and serve Him all of their lives. And in, in a, a symbol of that service, they never cut their hair. So he tells Delilah, uh, it's my long hair. And he believed that, by the way. 
I, ch I choose to believe it was probably God being with him. Amen? And when God's not with you, you don't going to have any strength. And so, Samson became weak, not only because his hair had been cut, but also because the Lord had departed from him. After his enslavement by the Philistines, Samson was blinded. Now in the movie, they took a rod of iron and stuck it in a, a fire where the, you, know, you might have a fire anvil, big hammers, and it was sharp and it was a rod about this long and when they pulled it out of the fire, it was glowing red hot. And they had the camera fixed up so that you could see the iron coming, the glow of the iron coming right towards his eye and psh, right in his eye. And then, then he's blind on this side and then the, here comes the, the, the iron on this side. They, they burned both of his eyes out. Both of his eyes out. And he was enslaved by the Philistines. He was blinded and forced to work at the grinding grain, eventually he came to his senses and realized that God had given him his great strength to serve the Lord and his people. After a prayer to God for strength, he killed thousands of the enemy by pulling down the pillars of the temple of Dagon. Dagon was the false god of the Philistines. This one great act of faith cost Samson his life. Samson was a person with great potential who fell short, listen to this, because of his sin and disobedience. Mighty in physical strength, he was weak in resisting temptation. His life is a clear warning against the dangers of self-indulgence and lack of discipline. Now I want you to turn to Judges 15 verse 10. Before I read this to you, I want, I want to... Remind you about this jawbone of a donkey. You might wonder if it's a jawbone, why didn't it break? He killed over a thousand men with it. It's because it was a newly killed donkey. When you are, when you're first killed, your bones are what we would call green. That means they're still viable. They they're not brittle yet. You leave bones out in the desert to bleach and the, the moisture in the bones leaves, and they become weak and, and uh, worthless. And so he finds a jawbone of a donkey that's been not too long dead, and he uses it to kill all of these Philistines. Now look at verse 10. And the men of Judah said, Why are you come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson. Are we come up to do to him as he has done to us? Then 3,000, look at that, 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock, Edom, and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that you have done unto us? In other words, his own people are coming to him saying, Samson, what are you doing? You're getting us in trouble. The Philistines are ruling. They won the last war. They're ruling over us, and you're, all you're doing is making them angry, and they're taking it out on us. What are you doing? And they said unto him, We are come down to bind you, that we may deliver you under the hand of the Philistines. His own people came and tied him up to deliver him to the Philistines. And Samson said unto him, Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. In other words, give me your word, you're not going to kill me. And as they spoke unto him, saying, No, but we will bind you fast and deliver you into their hand, but surely we will not kill you. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. And Now watch this. When he came unto Leah, Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire and his bands loosed and fell off of his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and he killed a thousand men with it. A thousand men. You know, sometimes every pastor, including me, has felt like the hands, symbolically, the hands of his church have been tied. 
I've felt that here before. Whenever you get a feeling like that, you have to look around and see what's going on. Is there something in the church happening that you don't know about? Uh, John Wesley mentioned this morning that, that a lot of people, you, you know, if you're not careful, you can get dry in yourself and you can get brittle. And your faith, now you still come to church and you still put on a pretty good show, but your faith is dwindled. It's gone somewhere. Now, you're not aware of it sometimes, but you, you are aware of the fact when those times come, God doesn't seem to be anywhere around. You can't find him. And that's because, you know, God's not a clown. God's not, uh, God's not Santa Claus. He's not at your beck and call. He's told us that if we would obey him, he'd bless our socks off. Amen? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Powerful. Takes a jawbone, and he kills a thousand men. You know, we, we need to, to get angry at Satan. And that's another thing I, I need to speak about. Listen, please listen to this if you don't hear anything else. The art of hurting people's feelings, and we all do it. I, I said art, I should have said the curse. It comes whenever you've been hurt and you start wondering, why did so-and-so hurt me? And you start casting blame. You'll do this in your own marriage. Your, your mate hurts you, and instead of taking any of the blame yourself, you'll blame it all on your mate. Now, I'm not talking about men or women here. I'm talking about all of us. I do that, okay? And we need to stop doing that. And, and you may say, well, my, my wife does this stuff, and, and it really makes me angry. And my question to you when you say that is, well, did you do anything at all to her that caused her to retaliate against you? Did you? Are you all out there? Take a deep breath. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm awake. Well, you got to understand something. Samson is a Nazarite. He's anointed by God, and he's been set aside from his mother's womb for a particular office to which he has been consecrated and called. Everybody look at me. Every one of you in here have been called before the foundation of the world to serve the Lord. And if you haven't found out what your calling is, you will never be happy. You've got to discover what God has called you for. And you've got to realize that before there ever was an earth, a planet, a star, a galaxy, or even the darkness of space itself, God knew you. He had a plan for you inside of his heart. It wasn't just the act of love between your mother and father that caused you to be conceived. God conceived you in the spirit in and of himself and you became like him. God looks like we do. Or I should say we look like God does. He's probably more handsome than I am, but anyway. You out there? We all have a destiny. We're not accidents. We, we are a, a chosen generation. And we've been chosen for a purpose. Listen, there's no accidents. My mom came to me one day and said, I wasn't going to tell you this, but uh, you were an accident. Oh my God, what do you mean, Mom? Well, your dad and I only planned on having two kids, a boy and a girl, and we did. And then we had an oops. Oops. <laughs> and you were born. Now... She meant well in telling me that. You know, you'd think, well, maybe that'll challenge him. And, but actually, it was a form of rejection. I felt really rejected for a long time. I didn't want to be a oops. It wasn't until I got to know the Lord personally that I found out there are no oops in God's kingdom. He planned me too. All life comes from God. There are no accidents. God was the power behind my conception. We need to stop. Also, by the way, let's stop living in the past. Some of you, you've gotten wounded and hurt in your past life, and it's affecting every part of your life now. And you, listen, I'm telling you, you got to get over it, and you're asking me, how do I get over it? You can start by an act of your will, forgiving whoever it is that hurts you. It, it will not come from feeling... Forgiveness is not a feeling. I told you this a hundred times, and the reason I'm going to keep telling you is so that you'll remember it. Forgiveness is not a feeling. 
It's a decision you make that produces feelings. And by the way, look at me. Love is not a feeling. Love is something you decide to do that produces feelings. That's why it's possible, ladies, to continue loving your husband even when he's a jerk. And we men can really be jerks, right? Don't ever be proud of that, men. Because part of your calling as the leader of your home is to nurture your wife and your children. To raise them up and you are their covering of safety. That's all any woman wants. She wants to be loved, cherished, taken care of, and and honored. And men, you're the one that needs to honor your wife. She's a gift that God gave you. And all of you wives are precious, especially mine. Don't live in the past anymore. Let's, let's bury the past. Let's forgive who we need to forgive and let's go on. Now I want you to turn to Romans 8, 28. I want you to know that nothing in your life is an accident. Now that doesn't mean God causes it. Sometimes God causes things. Sometimes He allows things. And sometimes God didn't have anything to do with it. But He's aware of everything that's going on in your life. Acts 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified." And whom he justified, them he also glorified. You know that word justified is powerful. It literally means what it says, just as if I'd. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned. That's a gift that God gave you. And it happened when you repented of, of your life that you've been living of sin and debauchery just like Samson. Samson, you know why, by the way, you know why he went down to the Philistines to find a woman? Because he figured that there wouldn't be any of his countrymen down at the camp of the Philistines because they didn't like each other. So he'd be safe going down there because nobody would see him. Oh, what's that thing about the spider? What a mighty web we weave when we... In other words, you can't get away with it. You may think you can, but you can't get away with it. And therefore, even if negative things happen to you, they all work together for your good. God never said that if you were called, you'd never go through any troubles. This is one of the problems that the faith message had because they never did preach. I got it. I accident I accidentally punched a button. Can you forgive me? <laughs> I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> what was I talking about? Yeah, there it is. The balance. One of the, one of the ideas that people get from the faith message is if you'll get saved and you'll follow after the faith, faith message and proclaim from your mouth what it says, you'll never have any trouble and you'll get rich. Now, they may not say that exactly, but the implication's there. And i got to tell you something. Everybody look at me. If most of you in this room, if you got rich, we would never see you again. Remember what I told you? I went to God and said, God, why can't I win the lottery? He said, if you won the lottery, uh, you'd leave your church and you'd go down to Rio de Janeiro and sit on the beach with some woman that's not your wife. Now, you may think you're holier than that, but I beg to differ. Are you listening to me? And then... And then we were told that we'd never have any problems. The Bible says if you're a Christian, you will be persecuted and you will suffer tribulation. It's just part of it. 
Some people these days seem to understand that we are in a fight. Some people don't think that we're in a fight. Listen, you're in a fight. Some Christians think, like I said before, that God is Santa Claus. And all they have to do is sit around and wait to be blessed. You're in a fight. And if you're in a fight, you're going to have opposition. Amen? Nobody likes to be in a fight. This is not a boxing match. This ain't no boxing match. This is a street fight. It's a brawl. By the way, uh, what's that new form of boxing uh, they, where they use bare hands and they kick? and Yeah, and it's big. It's bigger now than wrestling used to be. It's all over the TVs. And the reason people love to watch that is because there doesn't seem to be too many rules. You can use your elbow and knock out the teeth of your opponent. You can uh, kick him in certain areas that are fragile. And you can, you understand? It's a straight fight. It's a brawl. It's bloody. Listen, that's the kind of fight you're in. There's no referee in this fight. This is a free-for-all. No holes barred. Roll up your sleeves. Kick off your shoes. Go for the broke straight fight. Anything goes in this fight. And you better get serious about it because your enemy knows how to fight the fight and you better find out how to fight the fight. Look at me. Every one of you, you have gifts at your disposal that are a thousand times more powerful than anything Satan has to offer. God has raised you up and you are victorious before you ever even get to the fight. And I'm not telling you to, to, to say that just to, so that you... Get yourself in trouble. I'm telling you to say that so that you'll understand and have confidence in who you are in him. The devil can't do anything to you, but he can speak to you. He can come and tell you all kinds of lies. He's the father of all lies. And he'll come and tell you this and tell you that. And if you agree with him, you're lost. The devil's a liar and he's trying to kill you. Why is he trying to kill you? Because he doesn't want to go to hell by himself. He hates God so much that the greatest joy he gets is every time he can destroy one of God's creatures, you. Makes him happy. He's evil. That is evil, isn't it? This enemy we have, he comes to attack you in your mind and he says things like this. If God really loved you, then why are you going through this? Right? The enemy will try to convince you that God is not even real. Uh, the, yesterday on the, on the TV, they showed a, a Time magazine cover from, I don't know, back in the early 60s, and it said, Is God dead? Y'all remember that? There was a time when we, we seriously contemplated, Is God dead? Let me tell you something. If God were dead, this whole universe would just go out of existence. God holds it up in the palm of His hand. He's the power behind it. He's the source behind it. He is the intelligence behind it. And He has a real enemy. And the enemy He has is the same one you have. And the, the enemy that He has was created by God. He was the most beautiful created creature ever made. Lucifer, son of the morning. He had part of his body were made up of musical instruments because he led the worship and praise in heaven. But it wasn't good enough for him to be second best. He wanted, at the very least, to be equal with God, but his real plan was to be super ahead of God, so to speak. That's what he wants. Oh, God, help us, Lord. Now this Samson guy was a continual thorn in his brethren's sides. They didn't know what to do with him. They wanted him dead too. They didn't want to fight because they'd been through fights before. They, they got into a fight and somebody came and killed their kids. They got into a fight and suddenly all the tires on their chariot was flat. <laughs> the enemy knows he can whip you, so he's just trying to, he can't whip you, he really can't. So he's just trying to wear you out. Just wear you out so you quit. 
but his power is limited. Everybody say, his power is limited. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the only hope Satan has is to wear you down. Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let me ask you, how many of you are tired? You can admit it, I'm tired. You know, this fight we're in tires you out. You go around all day saying, I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. Your voice will get hoarse like mine. The enemy keeps working on you night and day, and he finally comes around and says, aren't you tired? He'll try to convince you to agree with him and go into a pity party. Have you ever thrown a pity party and nobody showed up but you? (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us. Have you ever been tired of going through stuff? Tired of being misunderstood? Tired of being lonely? Tired of being single? Tired of everything? Tired of being broke? I got news for you. If you're tired, you're close to victory. Yeah. If you're tired, you're almost at the end of the contest. You don't get tired in the first or second round. You've been trained better than that. Hey, listen. When you start getting tired, it's a sign that you're almost at the end of the contest. You can't quit on those last two rounds. Many times, if you watch a boxing match, the last two rounds, and particularly the last round, decides who takes away the victory. You can't quit. And I'm going to tell you something you already know about Samson. He's very creative in his fight. Like Samson was. Samson got some foxes. Who would have ever thought of doing that? Tied their tails together. Tied some weeds on there. Lit it with fire through them. I mean, that's pretty creative, don't you think? Nobody, nobody uh, ran the ch- chance of getting an arrow stuck in them. Uh, I mean, the foxes did all the work. It's pretty creative. And the, the devil's pretty creative. Well, God wants you to start being creative about your enemy. Look at Psalm uh, 144, verse 1. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. God teaches you how to go to war because you're in a war. Don't, Don't burst into tears. Fight back. Don't burst into tears. Fight back! Don't burst into tears. Fight back! Isaiah 59, verse 19. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Learn how to retaliate against your enemy. That's the best way to fight. Don't just stand there and take it. Come on! Give him a dose of what he gave you. That's what Samson said. And they came and said, why are you doing this to the Philistines? Samson said, they did it to me, so I'm doing it to them. Now you've got to be careful here because there's a Christian teaching in there about revenge and, and all of that. You've got to be careful. But it doesn't apply to the, to the devil. It's okay to, to punch him right in his eye. Amen? And women, you need to start fighting also. You need to fight for your husband who's out of order. Stop being so critical. You may be the very reason why he makes it or doesn't. You may be the very reason why your marriage makes it or fails. It's not fair. It doesn't seem to put that kind of stress on you ladies. But think about the stress that God's put on him to care for you and the children, to make a way for your family to to be successful. Pray for him. That's it's not wasn't an accident in Genesis, when God said the woman is the helpmeet, you can make or break your husband. A lot of us say, well, just not fair. Not fair. It's not supposed to be fair. It's a fight. My, I had guys trying to teach me how to fight fair. Well, I noticed that every time there was a fight out in the schoolyard, the one who usually won was not the one who fought fair. 
the one who usually won uh, tripped and got on the ground and, and got a big rock and came back and bounced it off his enemy's head, right? Right, Harley? <laughs> or when, you know, whenever your enemies come at you with a tire iron uh, down at Becky's A&W, you know, and, uh, you know, when you got him on the ground, you, you kick him in the face. And Becky's out there saying, Harley, if you do that, I'm going to call the cops. And Harley's looking at her going, looking at her, looking at him, looking at her, looking at him. Boom! And guess who went to jail? He's laughing. He's getting something out of it. It's a, he's a legend in his own mind. He's a legend in Carlsbad. Why shouldn't we share these legendary stories with the whole church? <laughs> yes, we do. We really do. Me, most of all. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This, this fight you're in, it's to the death. And you know, sometimes I don't understand. Somebody said something earlier about the government. I don't understand the American government. We're always trying to make peace with terrorists. You know, you don't make peace with terrorists, you kill terrorists. That's what's part of the problem in our world today. Some people you try to help later on will kill you. And you know what? They'll kill you with the very weapons that you gave them to start with. Do you know that our country's giving uh, planes and bombs to people to try to get them to like us? And then later on, when they don't like us, they use what we gave them to try to kill us. Samson was trying to help the men of Judah, but he had to learn the hard way that sometimes the people you try to help the most are the same people who will betray you and they'll try to kill you. And the truth is, the enemy cannot do anything to you without getting God's permission. Ephesians 4, 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. If you get angry, it's not necessarily a sin to get angry, but you've got to deal with it before the sun goes down. Because if you contemplate on it, if you, if you look at it and you play with it, it'll get worse and worse, and then it'll become a sin because you'll do something that's sinful because of your anger. You will refuse to uh, forgive. You'll get an attitude that is not godly, and that's not pleasing to God. It's not pleasing to God. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just pray for me a minute. I want to make sure I get this last part where you can understand it. By the way, men, if you're a Christian man who is allowing carnality into your life, you can expect somebody to send a Delilah to your house. Did you get that? In the movie, Delilah was sweeter than the one in the Bible. For example, you should all know this story, when Samson's hair did grow back, you know what they had him grinding, uh, the grinding mill, where they brought wheat, a big huge rock, had a, had a, a, a big old uh, plank of wood sticking out of it, and he'd grab, usually it'd be uh, some oxen or two or three donkeys, and. And, but by himself, he's turning this thing around and around in a circle, and it's grinding wheat. And week after week after week. But the Philistines are pretty stupid. They don't realize that all the time he's grinding, his hair's coming back. You would have thought somebody would have noticed and said, Hey, let's do something about his hair. Well, you want us, did we not do good on that rinse job we gave him? No, I mean, we ought to cut it. No, nobody thought of that. Nobody. Now he's blind. He, he, they don't think he's too much of a threat. One day, 
they're having a big party down at the Dagon Temple. And there's about 4,000 people there. And one of them says, hey, it's kind of boring. Can't we get Samson down here like, like an old clown and let's, let, let, let's have fun with him? So they go get him. Now, in the movie, it's Delilah, you know, brings him out. She's trying to find a way to get him so he can escape. But in the book, it was a young boy that brings him out. And he, he says, take me to the, the big old, what do you call them? Pillars, thank you, that hold up the temple. In the movie, it was pillars, and on top of the pillars was a huge fire bowl. It was a bowl filled with fire. Just who knows what they used, but it was just fire bleaching out of that thing, and everybody was going crazy. And sure enough, he gets over there, and, and, he's, and he's doing this, and they're all laughing at him. And guess what? All of a sudden, there's a, and everybody, all of a sudden, the noise stops. And he pushes again. Everybody in the audience, what was that? And he pushes, and you know what he said to God before all that happened? He said, God, let me die with my enemies. Why, why do you think he said that? You think he was really sorrowful for what he had done? I, I get some repentance out of that, don't you? Can you think of another reason why he would have said that? He killed more people in that one act than all the rest of the people he had killed before. He killed more in that one act. Let me, let me share something with you. If you are constantly in, in attacks and you're constantly in a fight, it could be with your husband or your wife, could be with your boss, could be with your pastor, who, who, whoever, if you're constantly at war and you're, ha you're making the mistake of always blaming the other person, it's their fault, it's their fault, you need to stop just for a moment and say, Lord, Lord, please, I'm stopping now. I'm going to listen. And you need to listen and hear God's voice. And you need to say this, Lord, is, it, is there any way it's possible that some of this strife may be because of me? I don't know. What is it that we don't like to take any of the blame? Is it, is it pride? We're, we're pride? What else is it? Yeah, I know that, but I mean, what, what, what is the emotion inside of us that refuses to allow us to take any of the blame? We'll blame God. Oh, God did it. Yeah, it's pride, I guess. You know what? The first time, though, that you repent and admit that you're not perfect either, is the first step to healing in, in any relationship you've got, whether it's your marriage, uh, one of your best friends maybe, your, your boss, whoever it is. You've got to stand before God naked and say, Lord, I can't hide this anymore. Part of this is my fault. Now, God's not wanting you to take all of the blame. I've been doing marriage counseling for 45 years, and I, I've never seen any marriage yet that wasn't a two-way street. And remember what I said earlier, sometimes... Uh, it may be 90% the husband's fault, and usually is, <laughs> and only 10% the woman's fault. But listen to me, ladies, you got to make sure your 10% is not causing his 90%. I know one thing God wants you to be happy, He doesn't want you to be in constant turmoil. And by that, I'm talking about this. If you get your life right with him, you get your mouth right, make sure that what comes out of your mouth is always godly. And you get your heart right with God, you will find that you'll have fewer fights in your life than you ever had before. And you'll find suddenly peace coming your way. Peace in your home and in your family and in your marriage. Peace. Oh my God, could we use a little peace? My wife and I are talking about that during the holiday. We always look forward to the holiday because we get a little bit of peace, but I can't ever get her to turn off the telephone. She can't ever find her telephone either. It's, it's kind of funny because it's kind of a joke in our house because, you know, because I've become old and forgetful. 
But I, I get back at her. See, this is not this is not godly. I get back at her because a lot of times she can't find her phone, and I'm going to be the one that has to deliver her out of the onion patch, so to speak. You know how you do that? Well, I get my phone and dial her number, and then all of a sudden her phone goes bring, bring. Here it is. I got it. You're welcome. Oh, we have fun. But I'll tell you one thing about her. She's got a memory like you, like an elephant. She's not an elephant, but she has a memory like an elephant. She can tell you stuff that happened 25 years ago on a certain day because she, she takes this event here and attaches it to that event, and then the two events go together, and she remembers all of it. I can't even remember what happened last week. It's really aggravating. Now watch it, watch it. Yeah, well, that's true. I will say this to you, I, and I, I mean this honestly. Uh, I think this church has one of the most powerful women's ministries in our city. And it's because not, not only her, but all of you women who've joined yourself to her and, and help her and follow after her, but you, you give her strength, you give her ideas, you give her, I mean, she couldn't do anything without you, and I'm the same way. And I'm thankful for her and, and her ministry. By the way, if, if you've never had that class, ladies, uh, take it. It's the most powerful material on marriage we've ever found, and uh, it will bless you. Now, one last thing. I want you to look at Malachi chapter 3. If you just uh, bear with me, I want to talk to you just for a moment about money. You know, I don't ever do this, so bear with me. Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, a tithe is 10% of what you make. Now, one guy said, well, do I, do I tithe on my gross or my net? Gross is all that you get. And then they take taxes out of it, and what you take home is your net. And I told the guy that asked me that, well, how much do you want to get blessed? Right? So, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What's a storehouse? That's where they kept grain. That's where you get fed at your church. Well, I send my tithe to uh, Eddie, bless my heart, down there on Channel 7 in, in Alabama. No, that's not your storehouse. Okay? And then he says that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, watch this, and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. In other words, the fruit falling off the tree before tripe, says the Lord of hosts. This is the promise of the Lord. If you obey Him, you cannot outgive Him. Who do you think made the gold? Your heavenly Father made the gold. One day you may be walking along and you might need a jawbone of a donkey. Whatever it is you need, God will be there with you when you need it. And you don't notice how he was so strong, Samson, that he could untie Anything, chains, ropes, whatever it was. You know what God's going to untie in your life? Three things. God will untie your, ha your hands. He'll untie your vision and he'll untie your resources. That's the problem a lot of us have. We've got a dream, we've got a vision, but we don't have the resources to carry it out. If you believe God and trust God, he'll give you the resources that you need. Just like this building that we're in. Needed a building. Needed one bad. We didn't have any money. This building was given for our purposes. I don't own this building. The church doesn't own this building. But we don't pay any rent here either. You know, that's the way God works. I remember one time I was on my way to uh, Ireland 
And I was, I'm being honest with you, I was $2,500 short of what I needed, and I was supposed to leave in two days. And I got a call from a business guy in Carlsbad that I didn't even think he liked me. He said, I need you to come by the office. So I went by there. And he said, you know, I've always wanted to go out and serve God and go to countries. And he said, I, I, couldn't, I can't do it. And he said, I was thinking about that one day. And, he, and God spoke to me. And he said, you know, he said, you can't go, but John can. You can help him get there, though. And the guy handed me a check. I didn't tell him anything about my need or anything else. He handed me a check for $2,500. Now figure that out. God's faithful, isn't he? He's always faithful. So he'll untie your hands, he'll untie your vision, and he'll untie your resources because he loves you. But listen to me, learn something from the story of Samson. If Samson had learned it earlier, I don't think he would have died at the temple of Dagon. I think he could have potentially gone on to be one of the greatest men that God ever raised up. And as it was, he was pretty great. Let's pray a minute. Would you turn the lights out, John? Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace that brought us through. For as high as the heavens above, so great is the measure of our Father's love. Great is the measure of our Father's love. Father, your love is so great that we don't even comprehend it. Because if we're honest and we think back about our lives before we met you, we were evil. We did evil things. I did. I did evil things. I'm not proud of that either. And, but even though I was evil and, and even though I brought shame to you, you still stepped out and you, you raised your hand to me in love. You didn't raise your hand to me to strike me or to kill me, although I would have deserved it. You raised your hand to me in love. And you said to me, if you'll give me your life and your heart, I will bless you. Now listen to me. My wife and I were married nine years. We had not had any children. One day, and I wasn't thinking about children, believe me. One day I said, Lord, look at all the years I've served you. And I've I've done things for you, and I was being real, I don't know what you'd say, I was not being too nice. I said, Lord, can't you do something for me nice? How about a Corvette? How about a, how about a big pile of money? And I was really thinking that. And the Lord said, I will bless thee, my son. I said, oh, good, good. That same day, I went home, when we lived in Loving. I walked in the door, where you at, honey? I'm in the bathroom. Walked in there. She looked at me, and here's what she said. I think I'm pregnant. What? <laughs> you what? 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 Thanks, God. I will bless thee, my son. Thanks. Well, she's pregnant. See, I didn't like kids. I'm still not sure I do. <laughs> But God, God said, John, if it's yours, it'll be different. And a lot of you told me the same thing. Cindy told me that. You know, John, if it's your child, you'll feel differently. Oh, I bet, I bet. Well, the day came. We had to go to the hospital because her water broke or something broke. Whatever breaks in there. So we went to the hospital. Now, you got to understand, before that, we had gone, and I was a, being a good husband. We went to Lamaze. I thought that was a kind of car, a race car that you, but no. Lamaze is where you learn to go down there and you go, ha, ha, he, he, hoo, hoo, hoo. 
right? Six weeks of that. So that I could be her birth coach. Now, hated every minute of it. We're down, her water broke, we go down there. Nothing's happening, nothing's happening. I went to the elevator, and my, her doctor was in the elevator. I thought, what are you doing in the elevator? Oh, he said, oh, by the way, Mr. Burke, he said, your wife, it's a physical impossibility for her to have this child. Well, thanks a lot for telling me about that. What are you going to just, uh, like you do with a, an old dog, it's time to go? You're going to put her out of her misery? I mean, what? Oh, no, we're going to do a, uh, a C-section. No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. Oh, and by the way, you can't go in. Now, they'll let you go in now. Back then, you couldn't go in. So they sent me out to the waiting room. And a long time went by. And I was getting nervous. I do love my wife. And all of a sudden, the twin doors to the operating place back there flew open. Two nurses came out with a, a, a gray, smoky-colored plastic tray. No blanket in there, just a thing. There was a thing in this tray. It was red, and it wiggled. And the nurses were smiling. I thought, what are you smiling at? Mr. Burke, meet your son. What? 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 And I, I looked down in there, and you know what I did? I started counting his fingers. And, yeah, all 11 of them. <laughs> counted his toes. And the nurse slapped me and said, oh, he's perfect, and your wife's doing great, too. Everything's great. So they took him back to clean. They didn't clean him up before they brought him out there. He, was, he wasn't pleasant to look at. And it got worse because I didn't know anything about diapers. I will say, though, that I did change one diaper once. No, no, I, I'm sure I only did one. I mean, you, you need to think about that. So anyway, I went in the bathroom while they cleaned him up, and I, I began to weep. Now, I didn't want the, that was when they had that small waiting room. And you go in the bathroom door, well, just three feet away were, were chairs where people were sitting. And I went in there, and I locked the door, and I turned on all the water faucets, and I started crying. I mean crying. Uh, this John, he don't cry much. And then God spoke to me in the bathroom. You know what he said? I will bless thee, my son. Yeah, that's true. Now listen, the climax of that story is don't tell God how to bless you because he knows better than you do what you really need. I didn't, I didn't need a Corvette. You know what? I got a Corvette, and I'm trying to sell it now. I'm going to give it away. I didn't know, you know, it's a trap. As big as I am, you can slide down in it, but, but you can't get back out of it. Now, how am I going to get blessed by a Corvette? You see what I'm saying? Anybody want to buy a Corvette? Meet me after church. I don't think I've driven it but four or five times since I bought it. Father, I just pray that you bless every person here. Bless our church. May this church grow and prosper. I don't care for the biggest church in town. I don't care. But I want our church to prosper. I want people to get healed. I want people to get saved. I want people to have a blessing just like God gave me my son as a blessing. Father, I want that for them. Now, don't worry. He may not give you another child. He might give you a dog. Lord, bless us as we go in Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right, now I want you to hug on. Turn the lights on, John. I'll look around and see if there's somebody that you need to go uh, hug. Hang on, one more announcement. This is an announcement. I just want you guys just to, uh, just to be praying for my husband because uh, we don't tell him this. But um, today is the 14th anniversary of when he coded. It's today. So I'll be praying. So, but we still have him. Hallelujah. So it's not just, it's, it's Epiphany, which is the celebration of the wise men coming to see the baby Jesus. And that's the 12th night, which is January the 6th. So 
but it's even more special for us because of that celebration. So, thank you. Love you guys. Love you. Goodbye. What? Okay, I don't know Hug somebody as you go, would you? Tell them you love them. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.